Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Scoops. Corey Perry. Well, able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. David Backus is a member of the Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> if only this was 2014 and yep, exactly. we brought in 2014 uh, former St. Louis Blue David Backus, former 30-goal yeah. scorer David yeah. Backus. That would be nice. Yeah, and he'd fit into that lineup from 2014 and the oh, style man. of the NHL at that time. That would be just that would beautiful. Be. <laughs> what, okay, so well, I, I'm trying to remember. When, when, did, when did Ryan Kessler come over? What what year was that? What well, that was around that time, right? Yeah, I think it was something similar to 2012, that. 2013, um, around there. Yeah, if if you had a choice now, not assuming like not you can't can't look at what happened to Ryan Kessler now. Kessler, would you rather Kessler. have Kessler or 2014 like 30, 20, 30 goal scorer, 50, 60 point David Backus? We're splitting hairs a little bit. I um, mean, they're both big bad guys. Um, one could put in the the pocket in a little bit more, but I think uh, Kessler was probably one of those guys that fit what the Ducks were doing at the time uh, a lot better. They, they had a, a really lethal shutdown line. He was a good center face-off guy. We were really kind of dominant in that area, and he was a pain in the ass in front of the net. I'm I'm not sure David Backus was necessarily that way, but they're very similar type players. But I'd still take. Kessler, because yeah. you have to. Yeah, he just, just fits. He fits so well in the culture. This team. Yeah, yeah. The, and, culture, and, the culture, the culture of the. No, like the culture, the locker room. Um, <laughs> he 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 bought into the rivalry with the Kings. He he was the king killer for for his time when when he was playing at his best here. And and then we all remember uh, the Coglano Kessler Silverberg line for. That, that you know, five six years where they were one of the most dominant shutdown lines in the league. So you got you got to take Kess. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I wish I man, I wish I wish he was still still able to play. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I think David Backus is going to get a shot here eventually to to, to yeah. you know whether uh, whether he slides into the the bottom six or the top six uh, we'll, we'll end up seeing in a bit. But we'll we'll cover that trade a little bit later in the show. Uh, welcome back, guys. We are, to told you, we're on a regular schedule, so the show is back. We have uh, three games to, to cover here, and uh, unfortunately, this kind of trend with the Ducks this year, all three games were losses. Some of the, the high-scoring variety, some like the other night of, of a kind of a close goaltending battle. Um, so three games, the, the Ducks lost 6-4 to the Flames. 
They lost 4-1 to the Panthers, and last night they lost 1-0 to the Colorado Avalanche. A, a mixed bag in terms of performances. I think one thing that was consistent over all three of these games, and it's been that way for most of the season, has been the turnovers. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you look at that game against the Flames, the Ducks had a 3-1 lead early in the third period thanks to a almost power play goal by Nick Delorier. <laughs> so close. Yeah. So with his contract, almost got a power play goal. <laughs> I was shocked to see him on the power play, but I, I guess not since oh, Derek Grant's goes getting, now. Yeah. <laughs> Derek Grant's getting power play time, so Nick Delorier is going to get power play time. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Ducks blew that 3-1 lead, and, and all four of the, the Flames' goals, so the, the 3-2 goal, 3-3, 4-3, and 5-3 were all result of a Ducks turnover. And that's... Yeah. Nothing new this year. It's kind of what we've we've come accustomed to. You look at the the game last night. The the only goal that Colorado have was probably Hampus Lindholm's worst turnover of the year. He throws it up <laughs> the middle uh, to a rookie to Martin Kaut on on the Avs, and and he ends up setting up. I think it was J T. Confer for the only goal of the game. Like this, this has been a trend all year. It's not surprising, but it's still so disappointing to watch the Ducks shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, and. You know, for for the most part, it's it's kind of the defense that's doing it most of the time. And, you know, it's Delzato this time, or it's Manson that time, or even Fowler, Lindholm. It doesn't really matter. It's it's always the D that seems to be doing it, and it, it from top to bottom, they're just bad, boneheaded plays. I don't know why they are so inept at getting the puck out or making smart decisions with it, but at this point, it's just absolutely killing us because, uh, you know, in that Colorado game, Gibby was... A freaking madman, and he was stopping last everything. year. Gibby, like this was, yeah, what so we, we saw. Yeah, we, we <laughs> saw this on a regular basis last year from John Gibson. Not so much this year, but the games where John Gibson was able to keep the Ducks in it, where he was making some ridiculous saves. I think on you know his best, but I think was on Andre Burakovsky, where he dove across and then got uh, the pad on it, a little bit of the glove too, and he he made a save on the other side of the net. I think. Uh, I think that one was on Nathan McKinnon. So he, he had a couple you know, of, of those one-timer saves that he had to get across to save. He stopped McKinnon in close where he just blew right by Hampus Lindholm and, uh, and Gibby had to make a save. So it was just kind of a, a classic John Gibson performance that – We've been waiting to see. You know, it again. You know, look at the teams they're playing this week. Two of them are fighting for their playoff lives in Calgary yeah. and Florida. The Avalanche are one of the best teams in the league. They're just dealing with some injuries right now. This was always going to be a tough week, and, and when you take out the empty net goals, losing five four three one one nothing, it, it's not the worst way to go uh, through this week. I, I think the one that stings the most is the the collapse against the Flames. They're still, you know, with the Ducks still, be, they're not a great team this year. The rivalry's kind of died down a bit, and, and the Flames have reignited theirs with the Oilers. So the, oh, the hate, nice, the, reignited Flames. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the, the hatred isn't necessarily there anymore, but you still want, you know, you still have that want for the Ducks to beat the Flames and to kind of cough it up that way. And, and in a way, we haven't seen the Ducks collapse too many times this year. It, it's it's pretty disappointing. Like we know this is a lost cause year. We know this is going to be a bad year. And and at this point, you know, losses probably help the Ducks more than wins. But you never like to see them go out that way. Well, you do, but um, I yeah, I mean this one because they they just recently lost, got blown out at home against the, the Flames. I think it was five five nothing. I think it was the final. Yes. And so it was like, hey. You know, or no, I think it was six six nothing. Something it was like six that. Six nothing, yeah. Six nothing. Just absolutely embarrassing. And then so they, they you know, the thought was, hey, that was so embarrassing. We did not show up whatsoever. Um, you know, they they kind of showed up at least a little bit, got the three goal lead, and then just had a monumental collapse. And then they haven't really been the same since that third period. They only scored one goal against Florida, no goals against Colorado. It's just all of a sudden just everything's just kind of gone out the door and it's almost like well there's not not much else to play for at this point you know other than just being spoiler and going through yeah. the motions it seems like that's what they're doing and they've been doing for a while it seems like this whole season really it's just going through the motions so they're not thinking about it they're they're just making bad plays and it's just the intensity is not quite there as much as i would like yeah and i think you know one thing I definitely I have to, to stop doing is you, you kind of beat your head against the wall just hoping for this team to change at, at times and, and especially when you know, when it's when it comes to the turnovers and the defensive lapses like you just you know you, this this team is what they are like you, uh, you should know and it's kind of cliche most teams should know 
what they are by mid-November. Not many teams change their style, the way they play after that point, unless you're last year's St. Louis Blues and, and you're making a, a turnaround in January yeah, and then come back and, and win the Stanley Cup. But, you know, th- this is who the Ducks are. This is going to happen. This is just the way the team is this year. We're, we have bad turnovers from the blue line. We have mistakes in our own zone. They're not a great defensive team. They're arguably a little bit better than last year, but the mistakes are still there. Like, nothing, nothing's changed. The roster is still the same. We've now had some turnover with uh, Andre Kasha heading out to Boston. There, There's no, you know, for any expectations that things are going to get any better by the end of the year, you, you can't you can't really look for that. You know, you, you, you know at, at most you can hope that you see some continued progression from the younger players because now you would think with Kasha gone, either Terry or Jones or Steele could, could get some more minutes on the power player at 5-on-5 five mm-hmm. five because of that, and if somebody else ends up getting moved out in a bigger deal as well, that could elevate their minutes. That's what you have to hope for now. And, and then maybe Trevor Zegras, his season with Boston ends a little bit early and he decides to make the transition over to the Ducks. Like Right now it's all about development of the youth and hoping and, and looking towards next year and the future beyond that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, those young guys are going to have to try and, you know, play a little bit for next year, you know, or prove that, you know, hey, keep me around. Don't give up on me yet. And, you know, I've got it there. And I think Terry's done, you know, a, a much better job recently uh, as far as being playing more like a regular NHLer, even though the goals haven't quite gone in. He's making smarter decisions with it. Uh, uh, Steele is doing just fine. He's doing. Um, it was interesting to see he had the same amount of points as uh, Jack Hughes. So yeah. I mean, for everyone that wants to get that. on, yeah, I know, yeah. And then you, you, you know, everyone wants to get on his case, but you know, and then Max Jones. I mean, he even scored. So you know, he's he's kind of getting there, finding his niche. It's still just been, it's been a a slow burn for these guys to kind of get to where we're looking for, and we were hoping optimistically maybe a little bit too optimistically that we would see some of that this year but i think they're starting to realize okay we got to be consistent and we got to kind of keep trying to do the right thing so it's kind of their team that they're going to have to try and run with so they will just kind of keep plugging away at this point so but you're going to get that inconsistency and some of those mistakes and sloppy plays that's just going to happen can we I think a positive for the rest of this year would be John Gibson getting somewhere close to the play we saw last year. Do you think this is last a yeah, do you think this is a spark maybe for him to finish the season strong? Like if if you're looking for positives for the rest of this duck season, it would be John Gibson playing like this for the rest of the year and and you know at least building some confidence and and building some momentum heading into next season that you know, the first half and the first, I guess, two-thirds of his season weren't that great, and, and I think he would be the first one to admit that. Yeah. Is this a chance for him to kind of build a strong final third of the season here and, and kind of build towards next year? You know, he can do everything he can do, and his numbers could still not be all that great, specifically the win column. Uh, and that's, you know, if he, he'll probably... Uh, Goaltending is a little bit weird, uh, and from a mental standpoint. So if like he came into this season, and I think he took on a little bit more of a leadership role this year, and so uh, I don't know if that necessarily meant that he, you know, he he had to kind of really be more mentally engaged with the younger players and things like that. And that sometimes can maybe throw your game off a little bit when your your um, role within the team changes a little bit and takes your focus off. And especially since the expectations were, hey, we might be able to actually compete, get in, that sort of deal. And now it's like, all right, it's it's pretty much not going to happen. I don't know if that almost just makes it easier for him to just focus on, all right, I'm just going to focus on my game, focus on what I can do. But, um, you know, it sure would help if they'd stop turning the damn puck over so much because I don't care how focused and, and into it you are mentally – you can only be in so many places at so many times, uh, and you just start doing that over and over again. You know, goalie just loses confidence in, in everything around him, and then it becomes a guessing game. But, you know, it, he's one of those guys that can actually overcome that more so than a lot of other goalies. So, yeah, I don't expect him to do anything all that much different in his style. Uh, he's just going to keep playing, and hopefully, you know, things kind of go his way a little bit better than they have. Yeah, and, and it's not like he's the only guy that was considered one of the elite goaltenders in the league 
that struggled this year, right? Like, Bobrovsky still is trying to get back on his feet with the Panthers. The Panthers are just a good enough team to stay in the playoff hunt this year. I mean, nobody's taking the starting job from Bobrovsky there, and he hasn't been good. Freddie Anderson has not been great. You could argue the Leafs, just like the Panthers, aren't that great defensively in front of him, but the numbers show for Freddie that... He's also struggling this year, and if you look also at exhausted, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean these guys are, are playing a ton of games. Bobrovsky and and Freddie, I think if you would go and look at Price. shots against and and the amount of minutes played this year, I would assume Freddie and, and Bobrovsky are near the top of that. So he's not the only one, and I think there's some solace there that you know he he's playing on a, a not so great Ducks team this year, and that he still has the the quality and, and the skill level that once the Ducks are ready to kind of turn the page here and be competitive again, that he has the ability to do this on a nightly basis once he has a little bit more structure in front of him. Yeah, and you know, he's probably going to have to wait because, you know, it's going to be a little bit, I you know, I hope yeah. hopefully they make a step next season. <laughs> but, I mean, I think at this point it's kind of baby steps until the expansion draft. And then I'm hoping at that point, based on how, all the dominoes fall leading up to that. Just, you know, the Ducks are in a better spot with more experienced guys hitting their the new NHL prime of, you know, their early to mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. At, at that point you're you're hoping that Trevor Zegris has had at least one or two years in, in the league and you've got some of the guys, Ben Wileybee Gru, Braden Tracy, maybe some of the guys we draft this year, uh, making their way into the fold, but it's wait and see now. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's the long haul. If you if you're John Gibson, you, you're kind of waiting for for Bob Murray or potentially Bob Murray's successor, both of them, uh, after the expansion draft to to kind of turn things around and, and get the Ducks moving in the, in the right direction. Uh, before we get to the big news, obviously the Andre Casha trade. Just a, a look at how some of the lines were looking uh, with the trade and with some of the injuries. Uh, Jones was playing with Getzlaff and Raquel, so a nice little upgrade for Max Jones. He's been playing well. I've actually been pretty impressed. He had a goal over the last three games, so he had a couple other chances. I like seeing him get a bump in the lineup, and I've always liked seeing him play with Ryan Getzlaff because I, I think Getzlaff kind of benefits from having a player like that and players who play like Max Jones does or like Nick Ritchie does and Pat Maroon, if we remember Pat Maroon as well, they, they always kind of benefit from playing with a player like Ryan Getzlaff. So I hope I hope this is something we see for the rest of the year because Max Jones has struggled, but he's started to come on lately. Yeah, and, you know, Max Jones is kind of like, and all the guys you named, uh, you know, um, uh, Ritchie, um, all those guys are like uh, Corey Perry Light. Uh, essentially, you know, I mean, just they'll muck it up, they'll grind, they'll get in there, and, you know, out of all of them, I think Max Jones has the best potential for hands and finishing, Um, and, you know, he's he's struggled to find that finishing touch so far this season, but uh, when you have someone like Ryan Getzloff there over and over again, all of a sudden you start getting more of those chances, maybe things slow down mentally for you that you can kind of make those those right moves at the right time and, and get those goals. So hopefully it kind of goes, you just got to wait and see. And, uh, you know, at this point, you know, with uh, roughly, was it about 20 plus games left, might as well just see if we can't really build some of that chemistry, kind of get some of these lines kind of locked in. Because, uh, I mean, I, I feel like at this point, I think we're all kind of like, okay, we're just going to play, and this is for next season. Let's see what starts to work. Let's build some chemistry somewhere. The the monkey's off our back of, hey, we've got to try and get into the playoffs. It's just it's probably yeah. not going to happen. I, I think if anybody's going to benefit the most from this, this Andre Castro trade, it could be Max Jones because he was the guy that continually found himself on the fringe of being in the top nine or being on the fourth line. Yeah. And now with Castro going out, there's there really is no path to the fourth line for Max Jones. You know, Devin Shore has been scratched, uh, presumably for most of the games before this trade ended up happening. He's found his way back into the lineup here, but I, I don't see any way for Jones to really get out of the lineup now or out of that top six or top nine unless he plays his way out of there. You know, Daniel Sprong, you could argue that maybe he benefits the most from a trade uh, from the Andre Casta trade because he could find his way sure back would. into the Ducks lineup. Kiefer Sherwood possibly as well. But when we're looking at current players in the lineup here, I think Max Jones has been the immediate benefactor jumping up and, and playing on that top line. Um, Henrique, Terry, and Richie, they're continuing to stay together. I think they've looked good. Obviously, Adam Henrique's been one of the Ducks' best players over the last 15 to 20 games here, so no surprise that they're they're together. And then now um, with 
Devin Shore jumping back into the lineup. Sam Steele is playing with uh, Jacob Silverberg and Devin Shore. And, you know, talking about the young guys, I've liked the play of Sam Steele over the last little stretch here. Points haven't really been coming, but the points haven't been coming for almost anybody not named Adam Henrique or Jakob <laughs> Silverberg. So, you know, if you look at who's kind of played the best two-way game over the last stretch here, I think that's been Sam Steele. And it's nice to see some development there. I don't think we're at the point where I thought he would be this year, where there, you know, I thought he might be a player that'd be pushing Adam Henrique out of the lineup. Clearly, we're not at that point yet. <laughs> nope. But that he's was the way least, Henrique's playing. Yeah, he's at least established himself as a as a decent third line center in the NHL right now. I, I think that we can say for sure. But he's got a, a little ways to go offensively to push his way into a second line center conversation. Yeah, and I mean, you still got to think of, and he's what, like, uh, maybe he's got a full 82 games at this point under his belt from last yeah. season and this season. I mean, where was where was Getzloff? He was on the third line, and look at where he's at now. Not saying that they're going to make that comparison, but, you know, when, when the Ducks won the Cup, Getzloff was a third line center, a young guy coming up in his second year or something like that, so... You know, it's there's there's time. Everyone just take a breath, and I think uh, everyone kind of gets a little bit too, too focused on uh, those rookies that come in or those second year guys that just start tearing it up, and it's so few and far between that just hit it running and they just go. And so if you get too hung up on all oh, these guys are touted so high, and then you give them, you know, a year, and you're like, this guy's not doing anything for us. It's just like they'll they'll get there. Just give them the time. If they're showing they can prove that they can be, you know, at this stage lower in the you know the bottom six is forwards just give them a year or two and they'll start proving they can go up that next that next rung they're not going to just stay there forever just give them a little bit of time so i am also pleased with where they're at always optimistic they can go a little bit faster you know up up that depth chart but you know it's it is what it is that's just wishful thinking yeah i think that the most impressive thing about sam Steele is is the fact that he's playing center like it the transition for him from playing junior center and junior playing center in the NHL has, has gone a lot smoother than I thought it would. I mean, he, he understands the two-way game and the defensive side of the game uh, at a higher level than I thought he would. And I, I'm honestly more excited by that development because I feel at some point when he gets more comfortable and, and has a bit more experience under his belt that the points will come. Like He, he is yeah. a skilled enough player that I think eventually he'll become an Adam Henrique-type player where you're expecting 40 to 50 points. But it's going to take some time, and and I, I think you know I'm more impressed with the fact that he's above fifty percent in the faceoff dot, and he's a reliable player in his own end, and and he forechecks hard, and and you know he makes the, the right plays and the and the smart quick plays. Like those are things that generally take longer to develop from a player jumping right from junior into the NHL that plays center. Uh, yeah. So I'm 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 extremely happy with with that progress that he's made. Uh, you know, a lot of people get hung up on, on looking at the point totals, but you've got to kind of, especially when you're you're, um, you're trying to analyze centers and young centers especially, you got to look at kind of the whole picture. Yeah, and, and I think it kind of says a lot. I mean, they could easily have Derek Grant be that third-line center, and they could have Rowney in there as the fourth-line center, and then they could have a, a number of wings come in to take over Rowney's spot and make, you know, steal or have Steele go down to, to fourth line center. But they they literally they think Sam Steele's good and they even kinda of bounce they bounce them around up and down. But I mean there are other centers that maybe have a little bit more longevity and maybe a, a better track record. But the Ducks are completely fine with where Sam Steele's progression is at. So that does say a lot and you know, they they have confidence in him. So he's playing in a lot of different situations. We had a question in the chat from Realize. He said, What's wrong with Raquel? Is he playing injured? I I don't I don't want to say I can dispute that because I I you've Raquel yeah. does seem a bit off off but, for sure and and you know with the news coming out that Fowler now has a lower body injury and he he has an MRI and it's just something that's been nagging him for a while no no indication of how long it's been nagging him but it's it's not out of the out of the question to say that Ricardo Raquel could be dealing with the same thing you know a nagging injury that is, is seeming to just start getting worse and worse and harder to deal with i don't want to speculate and say that's the case but there definitely does look like something's off with Ricardo Raquel it's different Raquel. yeah i mean whether yeah, it's, i mean god does say whether it's fatigue and injury you know the the weight of your name being thrown out there in the trade deadline it could be it could be a bunch of different things yeah he needs to find his his next Katie. 
whoever whoever that was, it was the twenty first <laughs> duck that just yeah. invigorated him and had it going. No, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's he, he's off. He's he's not as engaged, um, and that doesn't that doesn't strike me as as where he's just. Uh, mm-hmm you know uh disillusioned about you know the ducks and then he's you know just calling it in at this point so i i would lean a little bit more to there's something that's been going on for a while but it's not bad enough to knock him out and i think we we you know as the the ducks continue probably to plummet in the standings or there's really no hope maybe they start you know say all of a sudden he's like yeah he's you know he's he's off he's a lower body injury and it's two days three days and something comes out later where like oh yeah he's been dealing with this thing forever we're just gonna nip in the bud now so he gets a head start on it but um you know at, at this point yeah he's, he's definitely a different player and when he's not as engaged in it it's tough to watch as a fan because you're like well damn well what's he doing if he doesn't want to try let's get somebody who will so i just want to see effort i think even if it doesn't go your way just at least you tried. Yeah. He's going to be relied on heavily now, losing Andre Casher from the fold. The, the offense is going to have to come somewhere, so we're going to have to see some sort of improvement from Ricard Raquel, whether it be for the rest of this year or heading into next year. But let's uh, let's get into that trade. Obviously, the, the biggest news of the podcast, uh, Andre Casher mm-hmm. traded to the Boston Bruins. Not super surprising in the destination, maybe just surprising that the deal actually happened and it went through. Uh, yeah. relatively close to this, the same time last year that uh, Bob Murray made the Brandon Montour Not trade. Sure. Um, similar-ish in the return in, in terms yeah. of a first round, late first-round pick. Uh, not uh, a prospect at the quality and, and NHL readiness of Brendan Gooley, but also bringing in David Backus. You know, we had mentioned on the podcast uh, last week that uh, Pierre Lebrun had, had listed Andre Casa in one of his most... Uh, his Likely. trades that make a lot of sense, yeah. and he had listed Andre Kasha going to the Bruins for Oscar Steen in a 2023rd. Uh, obviously, the return ends up being Kasha for Axel Anderson a 2021st, and David Backus, who is retained at 25% from the Boston Bruins, so it's about just over three million dollars in cap savings for the Bruins. I think it's a decent haul. No, no. At first, before the cap news came out, because <laughs> you weren't yeah, happy about it, I had to argue with you. <laughs> when the when the news came out, it was Bacchus, Axel Anderson, a first for Kasha. That was it. Not so a bad deal, but when you're th- if you're trying to s- assume that the Ducks are all bringing on the full six million dollars of cap relief for a team like the Boston Bruins, you would you would think that six million in relief for a team like that is worth at least a first round pick. And then you start, you know, making assumptions that is Andre Casa just worth Axel Anderson. That's a little bit of a low ball there. But then when the news came in that it's only about three million dollars and you know, the opinions on Axel Anderson vary widely. You know, Scott Wheeler has him eleventh uh, the 11th ranked prospect in the Bruins system and the Bruins have the 30th ranked prospect system. Then you look at elite prospects in, in Catherine Silverman who has Axel Anderson as the 4th ranked prospect in the Bruins system in, in the 27th ranked prospect pool. So there are varying opinions like there always are in prospects but I think Axel Anderson being a right shot defenseman who is a little bit more offensive minded, you definitely get some split opinions there. Uh, there always is. Brandon Montour had a ton of them, where people wonder, you know, can this is this guy's speed going to transfer? Is the offense going to transfer from Sweden to the to the WHL where he's playing now to the NHL at some point? How is he going to transition to North America? You know, is, is he undersized? Is the speed enough? Like these are always things that, that come with every player, but especially guys making that transition from Europe and defensemen who are offensive minded. But I, I think in the end, the Ducks got what they needed in terms of assets. They got a first round pick that they desperately needed in the deep draft. They needed to have two first-round picks, I believe, uh, going into this year's draft. And they got a right-handed shot defense prospect because they they don't have any right now. Hunter Drew is is really the only one. And you bring in a guy who can play in San Diego this year, but I don't think the goals are going to pull him out of a competitive team where he's playing with uh, Ducks prospect Ben Wiley, really grew. But he's a guy who's maybe a little bit easier to pull into the goal system next year and fast track a little bit to the NHL. He's not locked in to that CHL contract situation where he can't come up and play right away. So 
all in all, I, I think they got a decent deal. I, I think it just mm-hmm. depends on, on how much you value Andre Kasha, but we'll get into that in a bit. I, I want to hear your opinions on this trade. Yeah, I, I think both teams uh, end up benefiting. I mean, uh, Boston really kind of moves out some of that contract and that money, which allows them to possibly do another trade, uh, something else that might happen for them at the trade deadline. Maybe this is just the first piece. Um, and, you know, they get out of that Bacchus, horrible Bacchus contract that they got them uh, under. Uh, they got they got Kasha, um, and, and that's good. They gave up a first. Yeah, it's a late first, but the win for the Ducks on that one, is, in my opinion, is that that late first, the Ducks are so good at drafting that they usually get guys in the late first round that turn into great draft uh or you know a great players uh raquel is the you know one that comes to mind right now in the late first uh so the fact they get two of them and who knows if they end up flipping that one for something better you know who knows exactly what they're going to do they do their better trading at the draft anyways so if i'm from my perspective kasha I like his toolkit. He's he's awesome. He's a dynamic player, and I've said that before. Uh, and you know, he's a um, fancy stats darling that everyone likes yep. uh, on five on five, and that's great. But that hasn't translated this year. It didn't translate last year. Horrible system last year. Yes, his best year was the season before, and he still only hit twenty. So he's a guy who's hit twenty once and has had almost more concussions than anybody else, at least within the Ducks organization uh, in recent times. So when it's a concussion and someone who constantly seems to get him at least once a year, I get really worried that at some point he takes a hit or he doesn't even have to take a hit. Sometimes you just you know, go into the boards or something and, you know, uh, or you fall and you hit your head or something. And then all of a sudden it's just the career is over. They're never the same person. He seems off this season. He's underproducing. And so I think my biggest concern was just what's his health? Cause he could literally be gone with one more hit and you've got nothing to show for it. We get a first round for it. We get Bacchus uh, who might be able to kind of help out a little bit with whatever he's going to do. It's not going to be anything substantial, but we get a first for a guy who could have a lot of concussion problems moving forward and may not have a long career. We get a right-handed shot defenseman, which we've been clamoring to try and get, even though he's maybe not the elite top right-handed guy. You always need a 5-6 guy. And if he can fill that 5-6 role, which is where most people maybe have him slated as that's where he's going to be, that's fine. You're going to need that guy in there anyways. And the Ducks are so short-handed in that uh, spot that – it's good. We got what we want with the right-handed shot guy. It's not a top one, but it's someone who's going to hopefully be steady. First-round pick. Now we've got two. We got rid of a guy who could potentially be good, but really hasn't shown it other than a 120-goal season and a bunch of concussions. We take on a contract which does Boston a favor, almost like, hey, we'll take this. You take some of that back. Sometimes those trades happen where GM's like, listen – I'll help you out here, get you underneath, you know, out of this contract. We're in a position to kind of help you down the road. I might be coming back to call on that favor a little bit. Yeah. So who knows if that's the way it ends up going or that's the conversation that happened. But all in all, I think the Ducks did a good job in what they needed to get. Boston addressed their need. Uh, they get another winger that can play on the second line that can be potentially a lethal goal scorer. Hopefully, we just got to see if that's going to pan out. And so this trade really won't get broken down until who do we draft or what did we do with that draft pick and what does Kasha do and where does his career go? Yeah, I, I th- honestly think this whole trade hinges on Andre Kasha. Uh, it, it, if he fulfills the potential and he scores 20 goals for the next six to seven years, then you know, if you're the Ducks you lose I, 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 I you know you might hit on that draft pick but you lose like you lose if, if he develops into the player you hope that he could be but the difference with Andre Kasha is the injury problems like you're telling me right now he's not he doesn't have a concussion he's missed seven games after getting hit in the head from Jake Muzzin dude the like, flu is insane you cut, have no idea <laughs> cut the bullshit it's not an illness like this guy has a concussion yeah. like it's and whether that's them trying to not put that out there because they wanted to trade him who knows but he's been put on the IR for the Bruins right right after getting traded like they the, the Ducks would have had to disclose <laughs> well, that he was injured. You can't trade him without disclosing if he's if he has any injuries right now. So the Bruins know, obviously know this. But, 
he there's no way I, I can't maybe he also has an illness at the same time but there ha you look at that hit from Jake Muzzin and the fact he's missed this much time I you you kind of come to the conclusion it's likely another yeah. concussion for Andre Kasha maybe a minor one but or the other theory is he got traded and then on the flight to Boston there was turbulence and it bumped him a little bit and then he got a concussion and now he's on IR that's what Listen, you get Boston. I, I, I hope he does well, but Andre Kasha was one of those players. Me too. Everyone does. Yeah. yeah he, he's just one of those players who, how long can you go undervalued for, right? How many times have we seen a, a, the the narrative around a player is he ha, he's so undervalued and we're just waiting for that breakout season? Well, what if it never happens? Like, there's players just like Andre Kasha where it's never happened, and whether it's due to injuries or they just never got to that mark, like, how long are we going to sit here and say, you know, Andre Kasher is a twenty-five to thirty goal scorer, and until it till it happens, you know, maybe it just maybe it happens every now, you know, once or, or twice in his career because he has that skill level, but he just can't put it together on a consistent basis. Like there was real risk around banking on Andre Kasher, and I think when you look at what the Ducks got in return, it helps them more now and in the future than taking that gamble on Andre Kasha. And and I think Bob Murray goes into this deal and makes this deal knowing full well he could lose this. But I think he banks on his scouting department, both in the first-round pick and Axel Anderson, knowing that getting those two pieces are, are more of a chance that you can turn those into something than waiting for Andre Kasha to pan out. Like, I loved Andre Kasha, and I know all the analytics people do, but you, you start seeing other opinions when these trades happen where... You know, there are other members of the media of the league and NHL execs who come out and say, you know, I wouldn't have done that with Andre Kasha. I, you know, there's a ton of people who think he, he is an undervalued player and that eventually, you know, he's going to, to prove people wrong. But then there's some people who don't think he'll hit that mark. And, and that, you know, he's one of those players who they go undervalued for their whole career until they're overhyped or until they're overvalued like that's exactly. just exactly that's just the, <laughs> the way it happens sometime and, and honestly and, and, and truly i hope andre kasha figures it out i hope he has a great career with the boston bruins because he's a great guy but he's just such a gamble right now especially when you throw in the health the health issues with that that you know he this guy could figure it out but then he's also potentially one concussion away from never playing again like that's the, the realistic side of it. Like if he had no concussion history, history. and you're just banking I, on, I'd on, on him. I'd be on a completely different yeah. page. And, and you're just banking history. on his skill and maybe in him hitting, hitting that potential. Then we're on, there's a completely different story here, but the fact that he's oh. had three or four concussions and, you know, even if he does figure it out, he could be one hit away from just career over. Like that, that is something the ducks can't afford to, to happen, especially when you can get a first round pick and a prospect in a position where you are severely lacking in depth. And like I, like I said before, his style leaves him more vulnerable than most to uh, collisions. I mean, he's just, he is, you know, the energized body, he goes around, he, he hunts, he goes for everything, and sometimes he's so focused on this thing, doesn't see this thing happening. And that could be in a practice, that could be just bumping your own teammate, you know, just at the wrong time, and it's just... Once you've built up a few concussions, you, I become extremely wary of the very next little bump that was has nothing to do with anything. And I, I don't know if that comes from me seeing Paul Correa getting cross-checked yep. in the jaw and was just never the same after that. And I remember he was just getting a bunch, just nudged, nothing bad. He was gone. I mean, then he got obviously destroyed by um, uh, Stevens. But, you know, it's just I, I guess I have that fear of someone that early on getting that many concussions. What's the longevity, you know, as you know, especially that style that he ends up playing. So, yeah, if we're not talking about any concussions, I, you know, I, I value Kasha a lot more. What I'd hate. And I, I think Bob Murray was probably the same way. Gave him a bridge deal. He's still a restricted free agent after this uh, season. So Boston can try and resign him if they like what they saw, which might be nice. But at the beginning of the season, Bob Murray was already out. He he identified Kasha as not a core piece moving forward. He was trying to move him for right-handed shot defenseman a couple of times, I think, um, or at least for Falk, and Falk refused to waive the, the no trade, and that whole thing fell through. But, I mean, it's been obvious from the beginning, Bob Murray does not have faith in his concussion, you know, or not having concussions moving forward. So in his mind, if he can get a first, a right-handed shot defenseman, although maybe not at Falk's level, 
he's going to take that if he has to take a little bit of the contract from David Backus, it will be off the books after next year, and we got an expansion draft after that. I, I think it's a good move from Bob Murray, and I think it's a, a little bit of a gamble, but also a good move in the fact that Boston, this doesn't have to be their only move. They can still make another move because they now move that contract out. So, like I said, it's win-win, but it's definitely not a loss or the worst trade Bob Murray's ever made in his career. It's, you know, it made sense, and I think that's where Bob Murray's mind is at. It's like, I'm done with this. I just need to move that, and, hey, I got some good assets for that. So let's get this rebuild kicking a little bit quicker if we can. The one thing I like about getting the late first, too, is I think what it kind of eases your mind on that first pick that the Ducks will have in the first round, hopefully a top-five pick, where you're not making – choices based on needs right you (laughs) it allows you to really take the best player available and we we saw that last year's draft where yes the ducks needed a center like trevor zegers but we saw the comments from bob murray after the draft saying having that second first round pick allowed them to just say you know we're going to take the best player available i think Mm -hmm. trevor zegers following to them was an obvious choice that they were going to take him but that it, it gives you that freedom that if they don't think Jamie Drysdale is the best player available, they don't have to go and draft a right shot defenseman that high in the draft. They could take another center or a winger if they think that player is better than Jamie Drysdale and maybe focus on a defenseman uh, later on in with their second pick in the first round. It, it just gives you, I think, that flexibility to, to kind of go out and, and pick the guy, no matter who it is, no matter what position they are the best player available in the draft. And this is what the Ducks need to do right now. They, they don't need to be worried about filling the, a hole on right shot defenseman for, for the long-term future, or filling a spot on left wing or wherever it may be. The Ducks at that top half of the draft and with a top 10 pick need to take the best player available. And, and I also think getting a player like Axel Anderson, maybe if he, you know, his ceiling is only a five or a six defenseman, but getting some depth, in that right spot allows you to make some some easier decisions at this year's draft as well because now there's no still a glaring hole there but at least you have a piece there or a couple pieces there in in Axel Anderson and Hunter Drew instead of just Hunter Drew and that's it you've got uh, you've got some freedom there to kind of go out and, and and be a bit more comfortable come draft day yeah and you know another thing if if you know the ducks are are finally kind of realizing that hey we are more in a rebuild not necessarily a retool it's going to be tough doing that with this draft year if you're only going to have five out of a possible seven picks i mean they they don't have draft picks stocked up this year so the fact that they went from five to six two of them are now first round picks that definitely helps if your mind is set to we need to kind of restock that. You know, what once was a great farm system is now kind of depleted. We don't have that that next guy coming in. Let's try and stock up some of those draft picks. So, like, you know, you can take a chance on this guy because you got this other one coming in. Or you can use that, to, you know, this draft pick and that draft pick and get a higher first-round draft pick if that's what you want to do. And they'll, they'll figure out what they want to do because they're always good at drafts. They're always good at scouting and uh, getting the right value especially even later in the first round. so Yeah, and, and, and you look at the comments, too. Apparently Murray and, and the scouting staff has scouted Axel Anderson since he was 15. And yeah. Apparently they're, they're Todd Marchant and the scouts are routinely asked about you know getting him, the chances of getting him in a trade. I don't know how legitimate those comments are, but if they are, like this is clearly a guy that the scouting department and the Anaheim Ducks hockey, hockey operations department likes. Do you think, real quick side question, do you think Todd Marchant becomes the next GM after Bob Murray? There, possibly. Uh, I mean, that, who knows? That almost I kind mean, of makes sense because he's, he's into player development. He's been, you know, trying. It seems like they're almost kind of working together. I think together he gets an, a an interview. Like, he, he definitely sure. gets an interview, and if the Ducks want to keep Sounds it in house. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I usually do. Didn't even think about that, and, and there are definitely our yeah. teams who do that. Uh, you know, maybe the next step is closer to Bob Murray's contract is up. Uh, Todd Marchand gets the assistant GM title as well, and, and then maybe that kind of moves things forward. But it, it yeah, I know. I think I think there's potential there. I think it all, you know, I definitely think he gets a look, and and then yeah. they'll look at who else is out there and and who's the best fit to take them forward. But I, he's definitely a guy that just like Dallas Aikens, because of the fact he's in the organization has been in the organization for uh, for a while now that uh, he would be probably at the top of their list as a guy to take over 
Uh, last to kind of sum up here on the Andre Kasha uh, situation, apparently LeBron put out an article that a, a few other teams were interested. No surprise that the Hurricanes were still sniffing around on Andre Kasha after missing out on him earlier in the year. <laughs> apparently all they offered was a second-round pick, which makes the, the deal that Bob Murray got from Boston seem a lot better. And, and, you know, just like we talked about fans being split on Andre Kasha, it looks like teams were split because we still have Carolina being interested. Apparently Boston's been around and interested for a long time. Calgary has been one of those teams that's been rumored to be in on him since last year. Like it seems like the teams that really like him have been around for a while, but there there are some teams I think that would generally scare it off from his injury issues or they don't think he might pan out. So it, just like fans and others are split on under cash, it seems like other general managers are split on him too. There's some that really love him, uh, clearly Boston and, and Carolina, and, and some that don't even want to take the risk. I think if you really thought about it as a fan or someone who kind of watches the game and kind of knows a little bit about injuries and things like that, I get I get not being happy that cash is gone, but... You know, he's just more of like that fan favorite. So I feel like it's much more a gut reaction. Like, oh man, we got we got rid of the guy. That was at least he he tried really hard. He was running around. I, I you can admire that, but at the end of the day, it's just you know whatever he's produced just hasn't quite been there. And what's his downside? And that's injuries. And I do think there's a lot of teams that had the same feeling Bob Murray did. And it was just like I I, I just don't want him to sneeze too hard, and then he's got a concussion. So, I mean, it could literally be something like that sometimes when it's a concussion. I'm not saying that's what it's going to be, but, um, you know, so teams are kind of wary with that head stuff. So, you know, the fact they got what they got, I still think is awesome. Yeah, I, I, still, think, uh, I still think there's real value in this. And, and, you know, even in the intangibles of, of the Ducks having a bit more freedom at the draft to, to make decisions, that, that having that second first-round pick in a deep draft there, this year is, is super valuable for a rebuilding team. Just look at look what the Kings are doing and, and adding picks and trading guys like Martinez and Toffoli. Um, let's move shift gears here and, and, and kind of summarize this show by talking about trade deadline that's coming up on Monday and, and some of the other news out there. Uh, quick news on Josh Manson. We talked about him a bit uh, last week, uh, but apparently Bob Murray is listening to offers for Josh Manson, which isn't surprising. Uh, but he's telling teams to blow him out of the water with a great offer or forget about him. Uh, teams who are believed to be interested are Toronto, Florida, Carolina, teams that are in a playoff hunt that could use a, a, another defenseman uh, with, with some term on, on his deal as well. Great. Yeah, yeah. So, so Tron, Toronto's been the, I think, at the forefront of that because I think he fits perfectly into what they're looking for. The problem with the Leafs is they don't have a first-round pick. They don't have a ton of great prospects. I don't think the Leafs benefit from bringing in a player like Kasperi Kapanen. They literally just shipped out a Kasperi Kapanen and Andre Kasha to the Boston Bruins. I don't think bringing in another one uh, is, is something they, they need to look to do right now. And, and, you know, if you're trading Josh Manson, I think you need a first-round pick. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if it was a first-round pick and Timothy Logren and the Ducks get another right-shot prospect who's a little bit better than Axel Anderson and is Swedish, and and getting a first-round pick, then <laughs> then maybe that's Swedish. the case. <laughs> you know, maybe the Leafs. I don't even know if they have a 2021 pick. They might not. But even, maybe they part with that and, and the Ducks try and go that route. But at this point, um, it, it seems like teams would have to offer even more than that to get Josh Manson and and. You know, the Ducks don't have to trade him. He has term left. If they don't want to trade him this year, there'll be interest in him next year. Like, it's not like he's a UFA and, and they're going to lose him for nothing. Yeah, Toronto does not have a first round. They do have a second, uh, but they don't have a third. So, literally, the best they could probably offer is a second for Josh Manson. Do the Leafs uh, have a first ne uh, next year? Or no? Yes, they do, but it's conditional, I think. So it's conditional uh, between the second and first. So I think there was some sort of trade. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's the Jake Muzzin trade. Yeah. So, yeah, conditional picks. The uh, Leafs pick is top 10 in 2020. Uh, the 2020 first-round pick is sent to the Hurricanes. I think okay. that was for uh, Marlowe. Yeah, yeah, that Marlowe deal. Jeez. The Leafs paid heavily to get that, that money yeah. off the books. Um, so, yeah, let's let's look at um, the trade kind of a trade tier list. I know the Athletic did this in terms of who they think could go. Uh, I, I put together a few of them here on guys who I think could very likely to go, guys that, like, make sense but probably not very likely to get traded, and obviously the big pieces, and we'll, we'll talk a, a couple minutes on each of these guys here. But uh, 
First one up from the very likely tier, we've got Derek Grant, upcoming unrestricted free agent, having a career season. Interest in, in a guy like this would be high, and, and you would have to think the Ducks would sell high on him with the, the real possible chance that they could re-sign him in, in free agency if they want. That's where I would I would hope that a conversation would happen between Bob Murray and Grant and be like, listen, this season's a wash. Someone wants you, and we want you to at least have this opportunity. We hate to get rid of you because of everything you've done. You've exceeded our expectations, and we'd love to have you back. Obviously, you can make whatever decision you want. What we want to know is if we trade you, are you going to take it as a personal slight that we've now traded you twice, and are you not going to come back? Because if that's the case, I'd almost say, listen, I kind of want you in our plans moving forward. I think you solidify that fourth line, and you're so versatile come injury time that you can slot up higher in that depth chart for centers. I would say have that conversation with him, and if he's like, Listen, you know, we're not going to win. Maybe I'll get a shot there. And, you know, I have, I love it here and I have great success here. So, you know, when the, once the offseason happens, I'd be happy to, you know, re sign, re up with you guys. And we'll, you know, a gentleman's agreement at that point on possibly doing that. But um, I would hate for them to make that trade. And then that's where Grant goes, All right, Steam obviously is just using me for whatever. And I'm just, I'm not that valued for what they want. And some players will have that. Yeah, attitude. I, I, I don't see that as so the I'd case. So I hate to though. piss him off and make him not come back. Yeah. You know, I, I think the conversation would be had that listen, you know, Grant, we're, Derek, we're trading you to get assets. You're an unrestricted free agent. We will bring you back in free agency if you want to come back. But we need to add something now. You're having a great year. There are teams who are interested. You know, if the Ducks can go out and get a third round pick for Derek Grant, take that any day of the week. There's potential they could get even more. I mean, a third-round pick for Derek Grant is a lot, but look what Blake Coleman got. Yeah, Blake Coleman's a 20-goal scorer and has 30 points this year, but does a lot of the things that Derek Grant does, penalty kill, Derek Grant wins face-offs. There's a chance Derek Grant could fetch you at least a third and, and on a very, very high end, a third and a prospect that you could start building into your system. And then, like like we mentioned, you go back and get him in free agency. And and there's a real chance and, and a very good chance he wants to come back because the only place he's had success in the NHL is here. Is here. So <laughs> I, I can see it. I, I and honestly I think it's a deal the Ducks have to make, and, and I don't think Derek Grant would be upset by it. You know, you say, hey, man, you're going to go to a, a very good team potentially, have a chance to, to play some playoff hockey, you know, add to your value, and, and we, we'll, we're willing to pay you. If you come you back come and, and sign with us in, in, in free agency, I, I honestly think uh, I, that's a deal the Ducks have to be made. Along the same lines uh, as being an unrestricted free agent and got dealt last year, Michael Delzato having, having a better year this year, I think there's he's gone. I can't see why the Ducks would keep him. Josh Mahara could just come up and play, which he should mm-hmm. be. And if you can get a fifth-round pick, you got a seventh, I think, last year for Del Zotto. If you get a fifth-round pick for Del Zotto, take it. You know, yeah. If you get a third for Grant and a fifth for Del Zotto, you, you've added now five picks in the first three rounds. You add a fifth, two fifths, because the Ducks don't have a fourth. So you're, you're kind of adding in some assets here to get some players. And, yeah, you don't ever really hit that much on a fifth-round pick, but Del Zotto's a guy, one, I don't think they're going to bring back in free agency. Yeah. And if somebody is, is showing interest, which I think teams will, you're looking at some of the defensemen who've gone. And the fact it's that a Stanley they, Cup winner. Well, yeah, and, and the fact <laughs> that the Blues bought him last year, and he yeah. wasn't even that good last year. He's playing better this year. He's playing more minutes this year. There will yeah. be teams that I think would be interested in, in Michael Del Zotto. And I, I think it's very. I think he's the most likely to go. I think it's him, then Derek Grant, and, and then we start moving into the ifs, ands, and buts from there. What? Yeah, whatever you get for Delzato is a win uh, because I can't, uh, I can't see us really bringing him back. I'd much rather have Chris Weidman come up with how great he's played in the AHL than having Delzato or name any other person yeah. that keeps going in and out with him. Holzer here, there, ever. It just doesn't matter. He, he hasn't blown me away with his play. He's had some nice goals, some good chances. He's also had horrific turnovers, and he's not consistently in the lineup. This guy's not going to really be with us next year. And he was not really necessary for a team that's not making the playoffs this year. Put him same thing. Put him on somebody else who might make something. And if we get a seventh, a sixth, a fifth, it's all more than what we had at the trade deadline if we keep him. So because yeah. we are resigning him. 
<laughs> All right, moving into the makes sense but not likely category, we have restricted free agent or upcoming restricted free agent Devin Shore. The reason he's here is because he's a restricted free agent, and I think there would be some interest in in, in him, and it makes sense. The the also the reason it's not likely is because if the Ducks do move Derek Grant, there's only so many players you can move out for picks and prospects before you don't have a roster anymore. And yeah. the, the Ducks yeah. need to still play hockey here, and, and they need some players in here. And I think you're getting more for Derek Grant than you are for Devin Shore. And and if you know if the return for Devin Shore is a sixth round pick or, or a fifth round pick, just keep him. Keep him. He's an RFA. You don't have to sign him. You could trade his rights to somebody for probably the same amount that you would get for him at the deadline. Um, if if somebody wows you and gives you a fourth or a third, then then go for it and and then you know make a move by bringing somebody up from San Diego like Kiefer Sherwood and, and playing them. That's not the end of the world. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he fits in that category where it makes sense because he's a restricted free agent because I don't know if the Ducks are going to bring him back next year. Um, but it, it's if those other deals go through where they move a forward or two out, you do need somebody to still stick around and play some hockey. I think they have those guys that are kind of there and been kind of held back almost a little bit. Your Sprongs, your Shearwoods. Uh, you know, those guys that could probably go in and fill that role. And even if you move Shore and you move Grants uh, to, you know, get those draft picks, uh, like I said, Rowney can move into the center position. You can bring in a Sprong on the side or a Sherwood on the side there uh, to, to, to make up that spot, and especially guys that they probably want to give a little bit more look this year anyways to try and see what they might be able to do next year and kind of assess whether or not these guys are NHL ready come next year and then that has them in a certain mindset once they go to the draft you know hey we're nowhere near there how far away are we what do the upcoming guys really bring to our team so I'm I'm on board I think it actually makes a little bit more sense to have short go as well uh, it just depends you know what, what are you going to get for him if it's not yeah. that much then yeah keep them see what you what you can do with it but yeah I would say that makes a lot of sense to do Ryan Miller. Guy, yeah, this this so. is the guy who's up, man. Ryan Miller's up because it makes sense. He's an unrestricted free agent. He's playing some some decent hockey. He's playing not you know behind a not so great team defensively, but had a great year last year. And there would be interest a hundred percent in a guy like Ryan Miller. I'm trying to remember what the Leafs paid for Jack Campbell a couple days ago. I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, but in the meantime, uh, Ryan Miller, I mean, that that was kind of brought up, too, where he could have been traded at the trade deadline last year, and I think they went to him, and he said, I don't want to move. The whole reason I'm signing here is to be here. I have no interest in, in going over there, and I think that's why they didn't really move him. So that's why I also feel it's probably unlikely, although it would make sense. I think this one's way more unlikely. I think he's he's completely fine being in the role that he's at right now um so you know he doesn't necessarily really have i don't say a desire to go chase the cup but it just uh, i think he's more focused on just his location rather than where he's got to go so yeah so just looked up that jack campbell deal so the leafs got kyle clifford and jack campbell for trevor moore a third round pick this year a third round pick next year so you could assume that clifford got the the, the player in the third and campbell got a third on his own so I would I would think Ryan Miller is at fourth. least worth third, yeah, a third, third or a fourth. You know, as an unrestricted free agent, may, maybe he gets less because of the age and the fact that he probably won't resign wherever he gets. But a third or a fourth, I think, is what Ryan Miller could command. There's definitely definite interest, I would think, from teams out there looking for a backup goaltender to lighten the load on their starting netminder for the rest of the year. You could think Florida, you know, I think Florida, Florida would be a good one. Yeah. The Winnipeg Jets with Laurent Brassois yeah, not being a great option behind uh, Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there are teams, I, I think, that would be uh, would have some interest in Ryan Miller. I just don't know sure. if he's a guy who wants to move at this point. And if he tells Bob Murray he doesn't want to move, he's one of those guys, I think, that Bob Murray would say, okay, I'm not going to move you. If a team was going to give me a second-round pick, sorry, you're out, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to force a move through for you and you got a family here and you know likely this could be your last year if you want to come back next year you're only really coming back here so that's why i think hits the snag in the deal here but i i still think it makes sense because of the unrestricted free agent because there'll be teams who are interested in them uh and that you could fetch a, a decent pick for him as well yeah 
Just depends what Ryan Miller wants to do, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a few other guys in that category, uh, we'll kind of lump them together here. Daniel Sprong, potentially there's always been some rumors about that, maybe less likely with Casher being sent out. Uh, Nick Ritchie, I think that one is, is even less likely because I think the Ducks like what they get out of him, and he, he doesn't yeah. make a ton of money, and he's got some, some terms still. And then Jakob Larson, he's a restricted free agent and hasn't been that great this year. But if the Ducks move out Michael Delzato, then you need – somebody to stick around in place. I think so. Mahura is Mahura's higher up, right? I would say. Yeah, but you still Morrison. need I think you still need seven guys and yeah. and you, you, you need Holzer. Yeah, I, I I just think I don't think Larson gets traded. I, I think you know you could I think he's still a guy you can wait on. He's an RFA, you can re sign him for cheap next year. Yeah. You can hold him around as a six or seven and maybe he figures things out eventually and when this team's a little bit better that he becomes a valuable Five, six, or seven. I, I don't think yeah. it's. I don't think you need to sell low on on Jacob Larson. I don't think teams are going to be paying a premium for him. So there's yeah. no point in giving him up for a sixth round pick when he's only 23, 24, and there's still some time for for him to figure it out. Uh, yeah. Last bit here, and these are the big ones, and the ones we probably hope will happen. Just to kind of sum up the show here, we'll just yes or no if you think a, a big move will happen. Uh, but we got names like Josh Manson, Jacob Silverberg. Ricard Raquel, Adam Henrique. Any chance you think one of these guys get moved? What what's your percentage chance on any of these guys getting moved? Hey, they'd all have to be um, overpaid. I think uh, you know they'd have to. Teams would have to overpay for him. Henrique, we're not moving. He literally leads us in goals. He's our second line center. That allows Sam Steele a little bit more time to rejuvenate. Takes uh, you know to uh, to reach his potential without having to be just thrown into every situation. Getzloff doesn't have to necessarily carry the team as the number one center for most times. Uh, he's developing a good chemistry with Terry. So I think Henrique, unless it's an a way overpayment. There's really no way you're going to get rid of someone that's as consistent as him. Josh Manson, he's Bob Murray's already said it. Blow us out of the water. Maybe we'll talk. I mean, at this point, you're going to have to do a lot to get rid of our our best, really only right-handed defenseman who's worth anything. Um, even though he's not having a great year, um, I think he's you know Bob Murray's type of player. So uh, I think he stays. Silverberg. I still think there's just a ton of ways for him to score goals and when it's a team that's struggling to score goals i don't think you just dump him off and hope in the next two or three years whatever you got for him is going to pan out i think he can score a lot of goals and i think if you know the team gets better you'd want him as a core piece moving forward and who was the other one uh silverberg i think right i just silverberg, said silverberg. henry I just said uh, raquel raquel was the other raquel one. i gotta think something else is going on with raquel but i mean if they think if nothing's wrong and they don't have any reason why and he's having this off of a season, then I would say maybe they they look at maybe doing that and they could hopefully get a really big return. But once again, they'd have to get a really big return yeah. for someone like Raquel because we're talking first player, top prospect. I mean, just a lot for someone who's kind of proven with a good skill set that's maybe just having a down year or two. Yeah, I, I'm uh, saying there's a there's a ten percent chance that one of those guys get moved. I, I the yeah. the only the only way I say that be, I think Josh Manson and Ricardo Raquel will generate the most interest. Josh Manson because of the need of a lot of teams for a right shot defenseman, and he has some term and he doesn't get paid too much, and he adds some sandpaper, which a lot of teams are are looking for. <laughs> and then Ricardo Raquel for obvious reasons, being a young player, you know, maybe new scenery, he good gets contract. back to being a thirty thirty goal scorer and that ridiculously good contract that he's on. I wouldn't personally move him, but. If a team blows you out of the water, there's a chance. I mean, teams get desperate at trade deadline. We've seen right. it, and there's a chance that a team could overpay for a guy like Josh Manson or Ricard Raquel. So I, I don't put it at 0%. I put it at 10%. I don't think Adam Henrique's moved for the same reasons you don't think he's moved. There's, there's no way the Ducks kind of force they him recover. They could They couldn't recover from that. It, if, it's not so much that. that. I just don't think they want to force Sam Steele into a second-line center role right now and then also force a guy like Isaac Lunderstrom to jump in and play where he maybe isn't clearly ready yet. I don't think they want to, to harm their prospects by doing that. So I think if anybody, any of the big pieces are moved tomorrow, I think it's Josh, or not tomorrow, by Monday, it's it's Josh Manson or Ricard Raquel with an outside chance for Jakob Silverberg if somebody came in and wowed you. But I, I can't see there being as much interest in Jakob Silverberg because of the price and the term and, and the age that, that Silverberg's at right now and, and the fact that the Ducks probably don't want to 
to move a player like that. But, you know, if he was to get moved, you would assume it'd be a, a, a similar return to what Minnesota got for, for Jason Zucker in a first, a high-level prospect, and maybe the yeah. Ducks eating some salary uh, to come back as well. So, And, and maybe maybe the, uh, the the deal we haven't even talked about is this, the Ducks just take on a bad contract for a pick. Who knows? I mean, that's a... That's another chance that, that that could happen as well. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's it. We will be back next week after trade deadline. Uh, no live show on Monday because it's at a weird time, and we're all going to be working yeah. this this time around. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But we will uh, we have lives. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be back, I think, uh, Wednesday was the time we were, we were setting for a show. We'll let you guys know on social media once we, we've got that uh, set up, and hopefully uh, I think Pat's aiming to be back for that show. So, yeah. Uh, We'll be back. Hopefully, hopefully the Ducks do something. Maybe they do a big move. I don't know. I hopefully we have something to talk about. Uh, Stay in, tuned. In terms of trade deadline. <laughs> and even if not, some team is going to make a big move. So we'll have some yeah, some that. big trade to talk about in the landscape of the NHL. All right. Yep. Take care, guys. We'll talk to you soon. I guess.